welcome to Everybody A, Everybody Gay. A queer exploration of Pretty Little Liars. With your host, Speak Pirate, a.k.a. Joanna. I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer. And your other host, LCO123, a.k.a. Vina, a proud member of the Church of Vanderjesus, who still isn't back this week. Who's off in Saratoga doing who knows what. Exactly. Uh, Saratoga stuff. Here we are. Songs of Experience. Uh, An episode that we were just saying both of us remembered as being uh, like more emotional, uh, more affecting than it actually is on this rewatch. Uh, Whether that's because we know what's coming, whether that's because Sarah Harvey is slinking around being the Sarah Harveyist, or or whether because it feels like we're back to square one uh, in terms of what's happening with the liars. Once again, we thought we knew who A was. Once again, it looks like that was wrong. Uh, we do get a bit more processing of uh, the dollhouse and of everything that's happened. Hannah continues to really be uh, a star in terms of yes. uh, proactively processing trauma. Uh, But, you know, we've talked before about how, like, maybe part of the thing that is, that does have such an impact with the dollhouse is that uh, it is what you imagine it to be. Like, it's as terrifying as you can imagine. Maybe we just have really good imaginations uh, (laughs) because the show so far this half season uh, has not gone quite as deep on it as I recall. I think uh, thousands of words of fanfic can confirm that we do have good (laughs) imaginations. Um, To me, one of the things with this episode that feels less poignant on this go-round is Allison. Um, Because I think that a lot of the stuff within this episode with Allison is actually really great. But knowing, like, where the Allison character is going to go, it all just feels uh, flatter and less impactful. I think... Like, if you just, like, if you were watching this episode not knowing what was going to happen, you're like, oh, man, they're gearing Allison up for such a juicy arc. Uh, And then it's like, no, they're gearing her up for Lorenzo, for making soup for Lorenzo. But, um, you know, what we do get in the previouslys is, it's Andrew, babe. (laughs) We're just including that soundbite again. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just, just one more time. One more time with that. I I have a question uh, sort of related to the beginning of this episode. Do you you have any more preamble about the episode that you want to talk about? No, no, I do not. So here's my question. So we see, you know, Sarah showed up at the end of the last episode at Emily's house. And she was uh, casting some doubt on the idea that Andrew is a... And then this episode really kind of doubles down on that right off the bat with Sarah doubting that Andrew is A. If Sarah is working for Charlotte and Charlotte presumably has done a good deal of work to set Andrew up as A at this point, why is Sarah casting doubt that Charlotte or why is Sarah casting doubt on behalf of Charlotte that Andrew is A? Well, that is a great, great question. And I don't know what the answer to that would be. Also, I I was thinking as we were, as this episode unfolds, like a lot of what seems to be going on with the character of Sarah Harvey, it does seem that like she has survived a lot of trauma, whether it is like emotional or physical abuse in her family of origin, 
or whether it is like at the hands of a or you know whatever like it does seem like one thing that is very true about her character at this point is that she is doing her best to try to like get a handle on that and recover from that as the liars themselves are and i was like so like I was trying to remember, like, so how much of this is, like, she was Stockholm? How much of this is, like, no, she was always Black Widow? And I was like, well, you never know. They never tell yeah. you. It's, like, part of the, it's it's part of the PLL formula. Like, you, <laughs> like, we don't have to tell you because we don't know ourselves. Um, so, yeah, the same, same thing with the Andrew issue. I completely agree. And I, I think one of the things that I found myself and, and maybe also like part of why this episode is less effective now is like the Sarah piece, because like one of the things that's really hard is that Sarah, like I feel like so often in PLL, the liars are really traumatized or characters like Mona or Allison um, or Melissa, even, you know, Jenna, like they are characters who are really traumatized, but it's like, we don't, we don't really spend a lot of time dealing with the trauma because the liars always have like another a thing that they have to deal with. And then all of those other characters are like, you know, like girl bosses basically. And so they don't get to like deal with their trauma because like they, they are like have another scheme. And so Charlotte, or uh, <laughs> so many, there's so many blonde girl names <laughs> rattling around in my head right now. Sarah is one of the few characters who is like, gets to be deeply traumatized, like gets to be like dealing with trauma in a like very visceral way. And then the show is like, nope, fake, not real, didn't happen, fake news. And it's like, it's so like, it's just so offensive and it's so terrible that it's like this one character who got to like actually be traumatized it's like it's all it's all fake you know and it just adds to like the pll you know thing of like women are faking trauma women like shouldn't be believed and there are many things in this episode that i feel like reinforce that message oh yeah i definitely definitely agree well should we dive right in let's go oh well I, you know when you were talking i'm sorry <laughs> one more thing when you were talking about how you had one question i and you were kind of recapping like so sarah says it might not be andrew and emily starts this phone tree we know that when emily started that phone tree it was like at night because we saw that in the last episode yeah but now when we start this episode the phone tree is on like she's talking to spencer on the phone and spencer's going to be calling the other liars but it's morning. So do you think the liars have just been calling each other back like all night long? Like Sarah doesn't think it's Andrew, but I think it's Andrew. Does Spencer think it's Andrew? Like <laughs> has that been going on literally all night? Possibly. I mean, Spencer looks pretty tired, so <laughs> it's definitely possible. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we begin with said phone tree. Uh, first, it's Spencer and Emily talking on the phone about Sarah, who isn't sure about Andrew. Uh, Spencer kind of wants details about Sarah's uncertainty. Was it the way he moved? Was it the way he breathed? Was it the way he spoke? Uh, all Emily really knows about Sarah is that she takes a lot of showers. <laughs> Emily... Uh, is questioning how Andrew could have both attended to Sarah and been attending to school. And there's some, like, very sort of flippant dialogue about, like, oh, like, you gotta, like, feed and feed your hostage. And it's like, wow, girls, like, th this is what your lives have come to. You're just casually talking about hostages. 
Uh, then we cut over to Aria, also on the phone. She thinks that it has to be Andrew because if not, then they're right back to square one and she refuses to go back there. Uh, hell yes, Hannah is going to school. She seems less interested in the mystery situation and more interested in getting all of her liar friends back to school, back together. There is all of the shots in Hannah's room are super, super cool because like her room is kind of in transition at this time. And so there's this shot of her crouching on her floor and her mirror is on the floor and she's in this like really pretty blue dress and kind of looking at herself. Uh, we learn that Mona is in Saratoga. Uh, Hannah, you know, she doesn't want to talk about this anymore. She wants to go to school. She opens up her yearbook and tears the Andrew page out and crumples it up. Uh, I really like how Hannah is reacting in this situation, much like how Allison would react by being like, we're going to go to school. I'm going to wear my nicest dress and we are going to put on a united front. Yes. Yes. And I feel like that's so great because Hannah learned that from Mona and from Allison and neither Allison nor Mona are capable of pulling that off right now. So I like how Hannah is like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to rise to this challenge. Also, is Allison just not going to school anymore? Because she's like swanning around town this whole episode like a church mother. And like she is <laughs> definitely not part of this phone tree. No, she's not part of this phone tree. Um, I guess Hannah is the only, like, are there other students in school on this day? Or is it maybe just Hannah? Did Hannah forget? And is she going to school on a Saturday? I'm really not sure. The, the school thing leaves leaves a few questions, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, I'll say that when they talk about, like, oh, you can't just get a hall pass to go feed your hostage. Number one, they're making a lot of assumptions about how often Sarah Harvey was fed and or how much she saw A when she was in the dollhouse, like, yeah. for number one. And uh, for two, like, wouldn't it make more sense since in the last episode, we learned that the construction of the dollhouse was definitively tied to Andrew. Like, there were financial records, the IRS was interested in these <laughs> happenings, etc. Like, so if it's like, okay, so it looks like Andrew paid for the construction of this entire underground bunker, but, like, maybe he was in school so he couldn't have kidnapped Sarah Harvey. Like, wouldn't the number one uh, thing to think be, well, maybe he has a partner as opposed to maybe he is an innocent lamb? Like, I don't really understand why it has to be one or the other. I totally agree. And this is the weird thing that we were talking about either last week or the week before where... A has always, has for a long time actually been treated as potentially a team. You know, there's the A team and even Mona had help. And, you know, the idea of like certain people doing certain tasks. Suddenly with this dead name twist, the show is like, there is one A. There has always been one A. A is a singular entity with a singular mission. Uh, and that is something related to the De Laurentiis family. What's hilarious about that, though, is like there are even within the De Laurentiis family, there are like multiple secret children. So the idea that it could be more than one person is highly likely. And they're investing in this whole narrative of the, the one and only dead name. And yet by the end of this half season, it's going to be like, well, 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 <laughs> it was dead name and Sarah Harvey. Gotcha. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> that's the hat trick. Yeah. I, yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm really not here for it. 
But I'll also just call out, like, as Emily is telling Spencer the one fact that we're ever going to know about Sarah Harvey, which is that she takes a lot of showers. Like, I, if you if you say to any fan of PLL, like, name a fact about Sarah Harvey, that's like the number one answer by a million points. But here, it's actually cast as a clear response to trauma. Like, Emily says yeah. she sure takes a lot of showers, and Spencer's like, I know the feeling. Like, so it's obviously, like, here... A, a response to what's happened to her and yet it's still going to become such a joke throughout the run of the show to the point that when they kill her off she's going to be dead in the shower ha 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 yeah yeah it's I, and I think we've talked about this too it's like a thing of like they thought that by getting in on the joke it made the fact that they like terribly handled this character better it's like, no, you don't get to do that. You go, you don't get to be like, oh, ha ha, we meant to like make her a joke all along. Gotcha. Like, no, doesn't work that way. Indeed. So speaking of which, over in the Fields house, Emily is getting ready to leave for school as she tells recently showered Sarah that her mom will give her a ride home. What? She just ran away again last night. Why are Emily and Pam so clearly downplaying the depth of Sarah's problems with her mother? Um, Sarah's like, I don't know, could I just maybe hang out at your house all day until you get home from school? And Emily thinks this will be fine. Uh, she gives Sarah a burner phone in case she needs to get a hold of her. Uh, Sarah worries about having to go back to school eventually and how one of the newspapers described her as feral. She turns to Emily and says, do I look feral? (laughs) And... I think that Emily is trying to lighten the mood, maybe, when she says, not feral, more like a lost puppy. Uh, And then she reaches out to brush Sarah's hair out of her eyes, as she says she just needed some grooming. But Sarah hard flinches away. Um, Was this, like, hair brushing meant to be a romantic overture? Also, a good general rule, I feel, is to not compare people to puppies. Hot tip from me to you, Emily Fields. Um, But Sarah is clearly triggered and maybe not so much from the A trauma as from growing up with an abusive parent as she spins out worrying that Emily or her mom is angry with her. Uh, Emily reassures her no one is angry and suggests that all three of them can have breakfast, maybe some French toast. What about school? Eh, she can go tomorrow. And Sarah looks legit happy for a moment. Uh, I know she's a nothing character, but the way they give her this clearly messed up but largely unexplored past and then just make her kind of the Forrest Gump of the A-team is <laughs> utterly ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fascinating. Like, Emily, first of all, I love that Emily is wearing um, a camo jumpsuit throughout this episode because it's like an, an extension of last week, her, you know, putting on her dad's jacket. Um also, I just it just made me laugh when she was like, oh, it's a burner. My friend got it for me, which is like such a she says it so casually. But that's like such a like objectively strange thing to say. <laughs> like, I feel like if Sarah was a normal person, she'd be like, OK, I have 10 follow up questions to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, like this is a red flag from Emily when she's like, you're a lost puppy. And she's smiling. And it's like, that's what Emily wants Sarah to be, because Emily wants a project to focus on right now. Also, like. You know, I agree, hot tip to not compare somebody to an animal. 
Also, like, you just needed some grooming, considering that this is a show all about a different kind of grooming. Kind of a weird line. Agree. Agree yeah. again. Yeah. Um, and I, I just took the note in this scene, like, Sarah is, like, swaddled in a robe. Like, Sarah's basically just, like, swaddled in towels and robes and a hideous wig for most of this episode. This is, like, a Halloween store wig she's wearing until she gets this haircut. As a house guest, I am, like, very, how much, like, how much laundry are Pam and Emily having to do with all of the towels robes and like other like bath accoutrements that Sarah is going through here we see her in like three different towels slash turbans in this episode how much hot water is she using are Emily Campus taking cold showers (laughs) lots of questions lots of questions yes uh, so Aria is sitting at the pr- at the brew, uh, kind of nervously sipping a to-go cup of coffee when Prezra comes over with something that he says is comfort food. I couldn't tell if it was like buttered toast or something, but he makes it clear that he's uh, not only be- been watching her, but he questions whether or not she's ready to go back to school because, as always, Aria doesn't have parents to talk to any of this about. Uh, He encourages her not to go when she says that she doesn't feel ready, and he tells her to stay here and write. She says she doesn't want to write, and he says, okay, she can hang around and organize his spices by by alphabet. She can take pictures. Uh, He clearly just loves having her back in his clutches here. And then he says, you're safe here, I promise. Uh, Which, first of all, like, such a creepy line from Prezra. Second of all, you know, this is in multiple ways. This is a like keeping the liars apart from each other again. And, and when I say a, I'm also referring to Prezra. Also, poor Hannah. This is like a really shitty thing that the liars are doing to her. A deeply, deeply shitty thing that they are doing. One hundred and ten percent. Also, when you see Prezra here saying like you're safe here, and when you think about the fact that Arya of all people, was the one who was, like, sort of semi-dating Andrew before all of this happened, isn't it just so convenient that as Prezra was about to lose his child bride, uh, they all got kidnapped and put in the dollhouse, and then the dollhouse got pinned on Andrew, uh, and the person who then later takes the fall for the dollhouse, Charlotte, is someone who was on Prezra's payroll. I'm just saying... There is still an argument to be made that it is him and that it was him all along. Yeah. No, I I agree. I agree. I think that there's an interesting thing in this episode about, like, the boyfriends. There was a part of the boyfriends that really liked when the liars were in the dollhouse for a variety of reasons. Oh, my God. That is such a rich topic. But, like... Yeah, the way that they are variously dealing with the liars not being in the dollhouse says a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, Spencer and Allie are at the De Laurentiis manse where Allison is wearing an actual bright blue dress. Blueberry <laughs> alert! Anyway, <laughs> uh, Spencer wants her to ask Kenneth about dead name again because he's clearly lying. Uh, This is like the season when 
Uh, Prezra and Arya had their breakup conversation 900 times, 900 ways. This is a conversation we have already seen Spencer and Allison have, and we're going to see Allison have with like so many people as this half season goes on. Uh, Ask your dad about dead name. He's clearly lying. No, he can't be lying. I'm sure he's telling the truth. Uh, So Spencer announces she is going to take this question to Jason Allie doesn't like that either. She wants Spencer to uh, leave him alone. She doesn't want any more people hating her. Spencer pulls out the family connection card, comparing them to tangled up necklaces in the bottom of a jewelry box. And she wants to give Jason the chance to talk about things and get unmessed up, which is such an interesting take, considering that Spencer spends a large part of this episode uh, not dealing with what happened to her. Uh, and, you know, not really giving herself that same chance. Uh, Allison has a small breakdown about how she feels responsible for all the bad things that have ever happened to the liars and how she's sure that no one would miss her if she wasn't around. Uh, and Spencer is actually very reassuring here and says that that isn't the way that anyone feels, least of all her. Yeah, I I think that the contrast between like Allison wanting to leave Jason out and Spencer wanting to involve Jason is so interesting. And Allison has this like mini monologue at the end of this scene. Um, I love the line, I'm under every stone that somebody turns over. I make people into people that they never were. Um, I think a th- like a thing and I mean, trigger warning for, for suicide mentioned here, like Allison is almost voicing like suicidal thoughts in the scene like she's basically saying the world would be better off if i was not in it um like if i went away things would be better which is like i feel sort of another version of what sarah harvey was saying last week when she was talking about like my mom would prefer if i just wasn't here if i just wasn't around um and i think that this is like such an interesting place to bring the character of allison but then the show basically just confirms like the interesting thing would be then for Allison to like grapple with these feelings and and deal with like understand that these that it's not true that it's not that she turns people into these terrible versions of themselves or whatever it's that like she she had really shitty parents she was raised in a really shitty environment like she made some poor choices but a lot of people around her made really bad choices and a lot of men preyed on her from a very young age But what the show basically does is says, like, yes, Allison, you're right, and you must atone for all of these things that you have done. Like, it's such an interesting place. It it reminds me a lot of, like, where the show will go with Presria sometimes, where it's, like, it's so close to dealing with, like, the heart of this issue in a really compelling way, and then it, like, zigs into this really bizarre, unhelpful territory. I completely agree with all of that. Uh, And my only other note on this scene and on Spencer and Allison as we move through this season is that I really do enjoy the way that we seem to be moving into an area where instead of being rivals, Spencer and Allison are equals. They're not grappling for control of the liars. Allison really cedes that to Spencer. Like Allison really like cedes leadership of the group to her um, and it, it just seems like her relationship with Allison, they are kind of more like sisters now. Yes. Yeah. And I, I really like the Allison Spencer stuff in this episode, I will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree. 
Um, so Hannah is waiting outside of school. She's trying to call her friends. Nobody is answering. Like, what a horrible thing to do to Hannah. Like, she's showed up and they haven't even given her a courtesy text. Uh, suddenly, a longer haired Dr. Sullivan walks up. Dr. Sullivan, like, what I love about her is that I think she is trying to be a good therapist, but she always shows up at literally the most suspicious times. It's <laughs> like, oh, Mona just was revealed as a, here's Dr. Sullivan with a handy, hyper-adrenalized reality diagnosis. Um, but Dr. Sullivan says that she is glad to see Hannah. It sounds like she has checked in with Ashley, giving Hannah some names of therapists. Um, Dr. Sullivan now works at the school, and she encourages Hannah to come check in with her. Hannah is clearly kind of shaken up in this scene. She had a bit of bravado when she thought that it was, you know, she and the fellow liars walking into school together. But the idea that she's on a solo mission uh, really kind of, you know, makes her clearly nervous. But this is why I love Hannah, because the bell rings. She kind of gives another look around. She sees that, okay, nobody is coming. And she squares her shoulders and she walks into school by herself. I love that visual. Uh, I think it's such a great visual example of the way that the liars at this point can no longer be counted on to show up for each other in the way that they used to. Uh, And I also really like the, like the idea of the liars walking into school together. Like it's always such a thing. Like when Allison's coming back to school, we're all going to wait. We're all going to walk in together. Like Mm -hmm. all of the visuals of them, like striding down the hallways together, whether it's Hannah and Mona, whether it's Hannah and the other liars. Um, so rarely do we see Hannah walking down a hallway by herself. Uh, yeah. And this is this is where we are here. Hannah is like, the, it's like the power, the power of that bond is temporarily broken. Uh, but Hannah is going to do it. Hannah's going to find it inside herself. She's going to do it on her own. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great moment of, like, self-actualization here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so Aria is at the brew and looking at some pictures that she's taken. Uh, she focuses in on a doll. Then she sees some pics of students around the school laughing, in love, maybe. Then there's a few pictures of, boom, 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 Andrew goofing around in class, looking handsome and carefree and like he is... <laughs> Just a high school student. Prezra sneaks up behind her. Why not? She's just spent a few weeks in an underground dungeon. Sneaks up behind her to see what she's doing. And she slams the computer shut. Which makes him give a small lecture on how to hide things. (laughs) She opens it back up and asks. "What?" She says like, what if I'm not hiding it? Who is Andrew? She trusted him, but she only knew what he told her. Prezra, freaking king of deceit, asks her what it is that she wants to know. God, Arya just having all of the lines about Andrew that she, like, wants to say about Prezra. You know, I trusted him and all I know is what he told me. There is so much going on with that. And for Prezra to just be right there to guide her along the path. Oh, yes, he's so bad, but not me. I'm great. I'm going to help you, little girl. Also, when has Arya had time to take all these pictures? <laughs> I mean, maybe she's not sleeping either. Maybe. Maybe she's just, like, sneaking out and, and yeah, taking a bunch of pictures around town. But um, I do like Arya's photography as, like, a running thing in this season. 
I agree. Uh, so in an empty classroom, Hannah is talking to Dr. Sullivan. She says that she thinks A hated that they were friends and wanted to ruin that. Uh, she mentions how it was cold and dark and hungry in the dollhouse, but there was something else going on. And she has a little brief flashback moment of, uh, you, you know, being told that she has to choose one of the liars in the room with the switches and all of that. Uh, Sullivan kind of asks about Hannah being in therapy, and she insists that if she's going to be in therapy, it has to be all of the liars all together. And can Sullivan subpoena them? Uh, <laughs> Sullivan says that she can't force anybody into therapy, but if Hannah gets them all together, she will make time, and Hannah feels confident that she can convince them. Yeah, I love Hannah, who's been doing the best job of processing her own trauma. She's also the first person who's able to look at the big picture and feel like the liar friendship is worthy of being worked on. It is salvageable uh, if they just take the right steps here. Yeah, yeah, she's she's really willing to like, it's interesting because like a thing that Aria gets to by the end of this episode is she's like turning the camera on herself. She's turning the camera on the thing that scares her like a doll. And it's like Hannah, Hannah, you know, this episode opened with her looking at herself in the mirror. Like she is very much like, no, we need to look at this thing and deal with it. Yeah. And towards the very end of the episode, like within the last few minutes, we get the picture of Aria looking at herself in the mirror. Yeah. So that's a nice, that's a nice visual bookend. For sure. For sure. So Prezra and Aria are engaging in a weird cosplay where she's pretending to be his secretary and he's pretending to be Detective Mervyn of the Rosewood PD. <laughs> like, you could pick any name that you wanted to and you're going with Mervyn? Like, I was like, is that a literary reference? No, don't care. Um, they're calling... The, who they're calling, they're calling Andrew's doctor to try to get information. And it's all very silly, but it becomes problematic when we learn that cue dramatic music, which on PLL always signals that the writers have not done the work, cue dramatic music, Andrew is adopted, which similar to Spencer being an addict, being equated with her guilt in Allison's murder, uh, it seems like Anyone who's adopted must be dead name, right? Yeah, it's completely the PLL, like, adoption equals evil. Um, <laughs> right, like, and it's it's on so many levels. It's like, yeah. they act like, they act like, first of all, that whatever child is being given up for adoption, it must have been given up because it was bad. Like, because, right. like, because, like, the parents, like, dropped a rosary on it and it burned and screamed <laughs> and they were like oh no it's a demon spawn we must give it to these nuns like that is how they constantly act like number one in the 1940s but yeah the, 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 the baby must have been bad and we had to send it away uh and then also no matter how like no matter how that child was raised no matter how that adult functions in the world no matter of anything else that's happened uh, it's not nurture. It's always nature. Yeah. And the nature is bad. Like that's just constantly how they act about it. And uh, it's dreadful. It's one of their, it's like one of the worst sins of the show in, in a show that is not short on flaws as we move towards the end games. Well, especially since so many of the biological families that they show us are like deeply, deeply dysfunctional. And yet the show acts like, oh, like all biological families are good and healthy. Adoption is where like 
things really turn sour, which is like such a weird take. Um, also, like, this is so highly unethical that Prez was like, oh, can you just like confirm a social security number? Like, no biggie. And also the other thing is like, I feel like it would really not be hard to trace all of this back to Prezra and Arya. And if if there's like questions about whether Andrew is going to be staying in jail and also like if there's going to be a potential trial in the future, like wouldn't you think you wouldn't want to like get into this sticky territory here? All right. So uh, Allison, Allison Point O, Allison Point Blueberry is uh, not at school, weirdly. She's just like walking around town with a bag over her shoulder and like, I feel like she's, like, she probably has, like, Werther's Originals in that bag. Like, that is the vibe that she's giving off. Um, suddenly, like, a soccer ball is beneath her foot, and she kicks it back towards the field. Uh, and there is one Lorenzo Calderon, who is suddenly, like, new in town, but suddenly, like, the youth group soccer coach. Uh, he says that co-ed doesn't work well at this age, which, like, of course, of course, that would be the attitude because it's, like, everything about Rosewood in this church is so backwards and old-fashioned. <laughs> yes. Uh, we learned that the girls' group lost their youth leader, and he suggests that maybe Allison could volunteer to run the girls' soccer program. He's, like, stares up and down her body really creepily saying she's got the moves. In soccer, that is. Allie doesn't think that she should be a leader of girls. She doesn't think the mothers of the town would approve. But he says that he'll worry about them. She notes that he doesn't take no for an answer, which is a hella sketchy line. Uh, and as they sort of continue to lightly, flatly flirt, we see that Toby is watching them with a scowl on his face. Likely very heartbroken over the fact that his dear sweet Lorenzo seems to be... Uh, seems to be giving his ball to somebody else in this moment yes also i feel like when we talked about like there's still a world where presra could be a like boy doesn't toby just seem to be skulking around trying to manipulate things throughout this episode yes yes he does toby is oh toby toby is really <laughs> infuriating in this episode <laughs> Uh, in Emily's bedroom, Pam and Emily are joking around and tossing like rolled up socks at one another like a Hallmark Mother's Day movie. Sarah Harvey seems to be having some feelings at her proximity to this. And then when Pam tries to talk to her about her own wardrobe, Sarah says that she has to get new things as her mom got rid of all her clothes. Pam still insists on trying to put a positive spin on this, saying, oh, well, it must have been so hard for your mom to have all those reminders around. And Sarah kind of shrugs and says, well, her mom said that she needed the space. <laughs> After a second, Pam kind of channels Hannah and just bursts out with, so you ran away? <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, at this point, is trying on a pink flannel, and Emily is telling her that she can have whatever she wants. Uh, and Sarah says she did run away because she just couldn't do it anymore. Pretend to be happy, pretend that her dad was going to come back, and that he'd be different That if he did. Uh, and it's really very clear that her home life was bad in a way that Pam and Emily can hardly fathom. Like, it is yeah. outside their experience of the world. 
Uh, Emily gets a call from Hannah and apologizes for ditching her at school, then asks, where is Hannah right now? I would love if, like, Sarah put on that flannel and Emily was like, oh, that looks good on you. You can keep it. And Pam was like, oh, wasn't that Paige's flannel? And if Emily was like, who's Paige? Like, (laughs) you could say that Emily and Sarah are U-hauling in this episode, but they're actually already living together right now. Like, they skipped the truck because Sarah has no belongings. (laughs) So, like, they're They're showering, I guess. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, it's just like, you're here, so I'm just going to give you half of all my things. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weird relationship trajectory for sure. It's also like, I think it's so interesting how, and we'll talk about this more in the, the therapy scene that, that doesn't turn into a therapy scene, but like this idea that the liars are so much more comfortable talking about like mystery stuff or like who is or is not A, But, like, when it comes to, like, hard emotional family stuff, they just have no ability to get into it. And I feel like that's what's going on here. Like, I feel like if Sarah were to open up about her experience with A, Emily would listen really intently. But the fact that Sarah is, like, alluding to a possibly bad home life, Emily and Pam just have, like you said, they have no way of dealing with it or processing it. Yeah, if I were Sarah, I would find this really upsetting. Because, like, how many times does she need to say, like, I had a really (laughs) shitty situation. I ran away from it once, and I got kidnapped, and then I was back to it for, like, less than 48 hours, and I ran away again. Like, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, yes. It is. It's hard to see her having to say that so many times and, like, just not not being taken seriously at all. Um, And it's, like... I hate that this show is, like, making me want better for Sarah Harvey, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah, like, and I don't know, like, if I didn't, like, maybe part of me wanting better for her is knowing how she ends up, which is, like, you know, she obviously deserved better all along. But, like, they do no work with this character, Um, like, literally no work. Like, learning that she showers all the time is about the most character development she gets. Plus, it's, like. The role is not well cast, like, is also an issue. And I love Shay. I think she's very good as Emily. But this is not a situation where steel is sharpening steel in terms of their scenes together. Yeah, I I would have to agree with you there. Yes. Yeah. And I I feel like I feel like uh, I feel like Shay's doing her best, but it's 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 rough. It's rough. Um, so Spencer and Toby are lounging. Do you ever notice that all of their scenes together where it's like we come in and it's supposed to be a scene where it's like they've been hanging out or they've been making out or like cuddling or whatever. Like they look so stiff and uncomfortable and bored with one another. Like they look like they hate touching. Anyway, Toby says that he needs a favor. He needs her to talk to Allison about keeping away from Lorenzo because he loves Lorenzo. That's why. Uh, But Spencer says that she thinks that it's uh, Lorenzo and Allison's business. Uh, Toby insists that, like, this is not good, uh, that, you know, they all know about Allison. Spencer says that she thinks that people can change. Uh, Look at how Allison, you know, helped them escape. They worked together, didn't they? But Toby insists that her reasons for helping them were just purely selfish. Uh, You know she has a history with cops, says Toby, as though... Allison, like, Allison is a young woman 
who was preyed upon by police officers multiple times in her young life. But the show is acting like she's, you know, basic instincting her way, like, through the Rosewood Police Department. Uh, Lorenzo apparently doesn't know what she's capable of. Toby asks if Spencer can completely trust Allison. If Spencer can say that she does, then he will drop this. I just, like... (sighs) It's tough, right? Because it's not like I actually want Lorenzo and Allison to get together. Like, it's not like I'm rooting for that. But Toby's involvement in all of this and the way that the show is, like, framing it as Toby having to protect Lorenzo from, like, Allison's feminine wiles is just so egregious. And also, like, Spencer's relationship with Allison has nothing to do with Lorenzo's relationship with Allison. I have several suggestions here. Um... Well, first of all, I want to talk about the fact that Tobey is wearing a flannel shirt, not unlike Emily slash Sarah's, and Spencer <laughs> is wearing suspenders during this scene. Um, but be that as it may, uh, let's say you're looking at this from Toby's point of view. Uh, if he does not think that his partner should get involved with Allison, he could talk to his man partner about it. Like, just have a quick convo about how maybe he, a grown man, should not date a high school junior. Allison is not even a senior at this time. Um, oh, so, you know, there's there's that option that is available right. to him. Uh, and if he does not want to pursue that option, Toby could talk to Allison. There is absolutely no law against that. He could also speak to Allison uh, on his or Lorenzo's behalf, whatever he might prefer. And... Uh, Instead of putting Spencer on the spot and saying he'll drop the whole thing, if she can't, you know, if she can say right now that she trusts Allison 100%, I have an additional suggestion that he just drop the whole thing because his partner doesn't think that this is any of their business. How would that be? <laughs> All of those are really valid options, but Toby is always going to go with the option that makes his girlfriend the most uncomfortable. Well, I mean, she's been out of the dollhouse for what, like three whole days at this point? Of course, it's time to turn your couch cuddle into a new argument. Absolutely. I'm surprised he doesn't bring up his dead mom somehow. (laughs) That's probably what they were talking about right before the camera cut in. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. He's like, Spencer, could you play that song on piano again that my mom used to play? She's like, (laughs) No, I feel a little weird about that. He's like, you don't support me, Spencer. <laughs> he, he's like, he's like really suffering from the fact that like he's had to go like 12 whole hours without calling anything in. He's like, Spencer, I need you to talk to Allison. Call it in. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Spencer, can we do the thing where I say it's Andrew Babe again? That was like, I felt really powerful when I when I said that. <laughs> So (laughs) Hannah is outside Emily's house wanting to kidnap her to go see Dr. Sullivan. Emily is not into it and insists that she needs to stay and take care of Sarah. Uh, Hannah is unimpressed and says that she is declaring an intervention, which Emily must know they need. Um, Aria tears up in her car to announce that Andrew was adopted and thus could be older than they think he is. He could be dead named. Now, why do they imagine that he would be lying about his age in this way for presumably his whole life since at least (laughs) kindergarten? Um, I'm really unclear about that plot point. 
Also, that is a really big age difference to be covering up for for so long. Like, wouldn't he have been, like, three times the size of the <laughs> other grade schoolers? They were, they were just like, oh, he's really tall for his age. He's 12, but never mind. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this does seem to get Emily feeling like a meetup is warranted. Uh, another, like, just weird thing about this episode that I am going to note here, because it, like, keeps happening. Um, nobody seems to be like, hey, Emily, why are you so weirdly invested in the Sarah Harvey <laughs> situation? Like, everybody yeah. is just acting like, oh, okay, whatever, Emily. Um, which is, like, weird. It's it's strange, I feel, that no one is acting like it's strange. I totally agree. It's like, oh, Sarah's like sort of the sixth liar now. Okay. Like we prefer her over Mona for some reason. Yeah. It's really strange. Well, like we've never, I don't think even seen any of the other liars speak to her. No. And I don't know that we ever will. Uh, That remains to be seen. Yeah. Apparently Andrew though, I guess he was like a Tim Riggins. Like he looked like he was like 30 when he was 12 years old, I guess. Uh Um, Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I totally agree, though. This The the way that they are, like, everybody is kind of treating Sarah like she's a dog that Emily has to take care of. Um, and also, this is, like, this will happen again throughout this episode where it's, like, Hannah is, like, we have to talk about our emotions and the dollhouse and our trauma. And then one of the other liars screeches up and is, like, mystery, mystery thing, mystery thing. Let's <laughs> talk about that. And then all the other liars are, like, okay, we prefer, we would prefer to focus on that instead. Um, so meanwhile, Spencer is talking to Jason about, uh, Kenneth. Uh, I, I, one of the things that I really appreciate about Jason is that he knows exactly who Ken is and he like, he hates Ken and I understand it. He's like, yeah, my dad is, you know, trying to sue anybody who he can. He, he really delights in that. Uh, Spencer wants to talk about their family. She actually refers to them as our family. She tells him about the dead name and Jason makes a face as Spencer explains that they haven't gone to the police because they want more information. Jason insists that he doesn't know that name uh, and Spencer's cell phone beeps then. It's an SOS from Hannah being like, get your ass to therapy, girl. Uh, Jason repeats the name to himself. Spencer realizes that he does recognize it. Uh, He sort of does, but the nickname, he he recognizes a nickname uh, taken from the dead name, but says that that person doesn't exist. Yeah, this is, um, I, I like this scene. I like Jason in this episode quite a bit. Um, Jason's shirt in this scene is very <laughs> ill-fitting. It's like a size too it is. small. Um, yes. and I'm like, is this like, is this a bad choice on the part of the costume designer? Do they just want us to know like Jason is so fit. We're going to make his shirt so tight so you can see his muscles. Or is it, like, a metaphor for how Jason just doesn't fit in with any parts of his family? These are good questions. Um, You don't watch Succession, right? No. Okay, so for any listeners out there who do watch Succession, I just, I had a a brainwave when I was watching this episode today, which is that uh, Jason is kind of like Kendall Roy. This means nothing to you. Perhaps it will mean something to our listeners. Write in if you agree with this observation, (laughs) listeners. (sighs) All right. So, uh, Hannah, Emily, and Aria are sitting on different sides of Dr. Sullivan's waiting room. 
Uh, like they're sitting as far apart as they can be while still being in the same physical uh, area. Uh, Dr. Sullivan is happy to see them, as Hannah says, with great confidence that Spencer will be here soon. Uh, Dr. Sullivan goes off to take a phone call, and Emily and Hannah bicker about whether they need to talk about what happened. Emily definitely kind of leans towards no, but Hannah knows what Hannah needs, and she challenges Emily by saying, well, how well are you sleeping at night? Um, on that note, Spencer bursts in and shares the news that she just learned about one of the more bizarre plot points in this whole ill-conceived half season, uh, which is that dead name was, Jason thought, his imaginary friend. They were around all the time. Then his dad said they had to go away and Jason never saw them again. And his parents somehow convinced him that, no, that friend never existed. Also... <laughs> I, I just <laughs> so many things, so many things about this idea. I know that Jason is just a mess in general, uh, but I feel like there's a really big difference. Like many kids have imaginary friends or whatever. And I, I do think you tend to know the difference between like what's imaginary and what's real. But also I feel like there's also a really big difference between like your friend who is like does not for example live with you um and like your sibling who is like around at bedtime and breakfast time and like all the times in between because you're related um so that's weird as well um but anyway so imaginary friend yes we're all just going to nod and go along with it uh Spencer and Emily quickly agree that dead name was always real and Kenneth lied about it, etc. Uh, they're on the verge of telling all of this to Dr. Sullivan when Emily gets a video chat from the burner phone she gave to Sarah. It shows Sarah napping and the black gloved hand approaching behind her and the black gloved hand pulls out a switchblade. The message flashes across the screen. Mention my name and she'll die. You have 30 seconds to get out of that room. And then a countdown starts. 30, 29, 28. When Dr. Sullivan comes back out, of course, the liars are all gone. I am shocked that they resisted the urge, the, the writers resisted the urge to do a psycho homage here, another psycho homage, and have Sarah be in the shower. Right, right, because she has been in the shower when the liars get back. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I had forgotten about the imaginary friend twist. And I agree that it is like, it is baffling. It's also like poor Jason, his whole life, like everybody has been gaslighting him his entire life. And like, uh, it's there's a way in which it kind of makes sense just from the standpoint of like, of course, this would happen to Jason. Like, of course, he would be gaslit into thinking that his sibling didn't actually exist. Um, I also, I wonder if it would make more sense somehow if, like, Charlotte was Jason's twin, like, just timing-wise or something. I don't know. The whole, like, ages of everybody is just such a, such a weird, like, don't think about it too much kind of thing. Um, but anyway, the liars all scamper into Emily's house to find no Sarah in the bed. But of course, she's just gotten out of the shower. 
Emily goes over and hugs her. This time, Sarah does not flinch away. Uh, while Emily and Sarah are presumably doing, I don't know what, in the bedroom, uh, the other liars go downstairs. They think that they shouldn't tell Sarah about what's on the phone. Uh, if A and dead name are the same person, they wonder who pulled the knife. Or sorry, if A and Andrew are the same person, and they wonder who pulled the knife on Sarah. Uh, there's a funny, Hannah had like alluded to earlier that she has a, an, had an imaginary friend named Mr. Biscuit that she like didn't give details on. And she's like, leave Mr. Biscuit out of this, which is a very <laughs> funny line. I'd like to know more about Mr. Biscuit. Uh, Pam walks in just then a bit concerned about where Emily is. She's like, I shouldn't tell you this secret police information, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, she has been at the police station and has learned that Andrew is being released uh, and not even charged because there isn't really any case. Uh, he has alibis for the kidnappings, which means that the person who took them is still out there. Pam says that Andrew will be out in a few hours, um, which means that he's still in jail, which means that he couldn't have been on the video and advises them to check in with their parents. And there's a real like, oh, shit, now what vibe? Yes. Uh, so again, I want to just point out the mountains of evidence that they had last week. Um, apparently, like, don't even warrant a conspiracy charge here. Um, I mean, I guess yeah. he's a straight white man. So no being charged with possession of a shovel. No, sir. No, certainly not. Certainly not. Uh, in a wordless scene, Jason and Kenneth are in the office together, and Jason stares balefully and suspiciously at his father. Yeah, I don't know really what this moment was meant like I it was meant for other than just like suspicion. Filler. Filler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were like 30 seconds short, I guess. Um, do you want to take the next scene since that was so short, or do you want me to take it? Oh, yeah, I would be happy to. Um, at the De Laurentiis house, the liars are giving Allie the rundown on dead name. Uh, they wonder if there could be proof of dead name somewhere in the house. Um, they say that they have searched the house top to bottom with maps. And Allison says, well, you were looking for my hiding places, not my parents. Uh, so then that opens up the possibility for them to go around and search uh, the parental hiding places uh do you want to take hannah and her phone call here uh sure i can take hannah and her phone call um so allison is gonna like start to lead them through the house uh which this is like a weaker element of this episode i feel is the whole like adult hiding places thing um but uh hannah gets a call from dr sullivan uh, wondering where they disappeared to she like she apologizes i didn't I, like who is it who bangs on the piano was it emily <laughs> be Emily or Aria, yes. Yeah, one of them like bangs on the piano in the background and Hannah is like, oh, we had an emergency. And she's like, Sullivan's like, you all had a separate emergency? And Hannah's like, it was the same emergency. It was one emergency. It was my mom. She fell in the shower. We think it was the soap. Which is a great <laughs> line. Like, like they're like ruling out suspects. Like, was it the water? Was it the, was it the, water? the shampoo? No, it was the soap. Uh, I like the idea of Hannah being like, we're bringing up charges <laughs> soap call it in um hannah says that she will call sullivan tomorrow about setting something up in a way that definitely suggests that she is not planning to do that the soap thing reminds me very much were you a downton abbey watcher i watched a little bit of it 
so there is um there is a moment when like a particular piece of blackmail uh is is being employed and the message for the blackmail is just her ladyship's soap and like the character the character who's being blackmailed like knows exactly what it means and they're like oh no and then like everything is resolved so anyway i i think of that when hannah's like we think it was the soap (laughs) that's that's our working theory like we can't confirm (laughs) yeah and also just that that would require all of the liars like all of the liars would have to run out to like what help Ashley up to like question the soap like what are they up to uh, knows. Um, so meanwhile uh, Allie and Spencer are searching out on the porch they're digging up like under the planters and Allie broaches the topic of Lorenzo uh, she is in full blueberry mode sighing over this stupid man And thinking that Toby has probably told him all about what a bad seed she is. So there's no point in thinking that she could ever deserve someone so good. Um, Spencer decides to encourage her here, saying that, you know, there's a version of this where they all could have been killed. uh, And for Allison, you know, she could have been in prison for the rest of her life. So there's no reason to waste their second chances. I really do like this conversation and this interaction between them. But... I wish they were talking about Emily. (laughs) Right. This conversation could play out basically the same way. Even Toby's apprehension could apply to Emily since Toby and Emily are friends. Um, Or it could be, you know, Hannah or Aria or somebody who's who's apprehensive or Spencer herself. Um, But all of these lines were. Yeah, I totally agree. They could be about Emily. Also, if they were, you know, hellbent on not making Emerson happen here. Lorenzo could be a woman like I don't I think actually that this I I still wouldn't love it for like a variety of reasons you know like we we've had we had predator Talia we don't need like another predator cop but I do think it would be really interesting if like part of what Allison is grappling with here is like owning like figuring out her identity as a queer woman outside of her attraction to Emily and like if Lorenzo was a woman who was just like this cool lady cop who was into her and like our Allison is like trying to figure that out, that could be kind of interesting. I definitely agree. But I think it's just like this, this is really like a a low point of this half season, which is like rife with low points, but that they have, um, they have Allison in a nothing relationship. They have her mooning over Lorenzo and they have Emily in a nothing relationship with, like, the human cardboard Sarah Harvey. So it's it's just, like, both of their both of their stories would be just so much more interesting if this was actually the time when we were like, okay, is it going to happen? Can Emerson get their stuff together? Like, is Allison, is, is the place that Allison is in right now too dark, considering what Emily herself has just been through? Like, how do they try to relate to each other? as as like you know more grown up versions of themselves like there are so many like more interesting questions uh but instead we're just like wasting our time on both of these like mushy squash stale bread blueberry situations yeah yeah <laughs> mushy squash 
blueberry. It's just like a, this is like a really disgusting stale muffin of like squash yeah. blueberries. <laughs> yeah. I am curious though, when Spencer has, has a line about how she hides things under her loose floorboards, I'm like, what are you hiding under there, Spencer? Oh, I love that line because it's a lie. We know that Spencer hides stuff in the red chair. We've seen that. That is true. That is a great point. But also, what is Spencer hiding? Is it gay porn? <laughs> it totally is. It totally yeah. is. I think so. Like yes. old school Playboy mags of Peter's. I'm going with that. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that that's a pretty good guess. Um, maybe some pictures of Paige in her field hockey uniform. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, based on shadow play, like maybe some vintage like 1940s lesbian erotica that she found in like a a thrift shop somewhere. Maybe some of those really close up shots of Aria that Allison took. Yes. Yeah. 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 I I think so. I think so. Um, So Aria is digging around in what I think is like Jessica's crafting room. Uh, she is about to walk out having not found anything when she suddenly gets an idea and goes over to a big jar of buttons and immediately starts pouring them out. I was like laughing at the idea that like the liars are just going to make a mess of this house and not find anything because our area is just like dumping out so many buttons. Uh, but then she dumps out a second jar of buttons and discovers a family photo all wrapped up in a piece of paper. This is so amazing because uh, the picture, this is like, this this season is such like a a harbinger for what is going to be coming because uh, this is, uh, this is like going to hearken to the later uh, press still photos are the only photos that anyone ever has around their house because once again, this picture is of Jessica and the two kids at the apple farm. Right. Yeah. That was clearly just taken, you know, seconds after they filmed that, that little yeah. bit. Yeah. This is like the only day uh, that dead name ever existed. Apparently. Apparently so. It was all apple picking all the time. Yes. Yes. Um, they show this picture to Allison and she compliments Aria for her searching skills and promises to ask her dad about it. She tells the other liars to leave, and they reluctantly do. Yeah, yeah, it's, this is really sad, because it's like, I feel like this is yet another moment where Allie and the other liars feel so separate. Um, so, Emily uh, thinks that somebody should have stayed with Allison. They're all walking uh, along the, the sidewalk now. But Spencer correctly points out that Kenneth wouldn't have said anything to them with said anything with them there. Um, who should they see at that moment? And this is another one of my like, what is the layout of Rosewood? <laughs> like they're suddenly walking and suddenly they're at the police station. But what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, why are they walking on the square? Spencer lives next door to Allison. I know. I know. It's weird. It's very weird. Maybe they were just like, we need to clear our heads and then suddenly realized they'd walked all the way into town. Perhaps. Uh, Perhaps. 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 But they see Andrew walking out of the police station. Aria immediately runs over to him, uh, telling him that she's glad he's out. Uh, One more man for the liars to apologize to. Andrew does not want to talk to them. He yells that he was looking for them. He was going to be the hero, uh, which I think is such an interesting line because, like, 
this is what all of the boyfriends are doing. This is what this is like the narrative in all of the boyfriends' heads. It was going to be their story, and they were going to be the hero. He says, I didn't believe what people said about you and your friends. Uh, Toby and Lorenzo are watching this from afar and weirdly like not intervening as Andrew towers over little tiny Aria and screams at her. Uh, he says that he will graduate and get out of here. Hannah suggests that they might not graduate, but he says that the school wants him, them gone. They'll graduate with honors. Uh, Toby offers him a lift, which he declines, given that the last time he and Toby interacted, Toby was uh, brutally <laughs> arresting him. Uh, Andrew says that other towns have toxic dumps. This town has the liars. What a nice guy. Also, the journals, like, there's no follow-up on that, on whether that was something that A planted or Andrew's actual thoughts. Like, Andrew's basically gone from this point on, is my memory. Um, Spencer is like, hey, are you Lorenzo? Like, it's a very weird redirect. Um, she introduces herself, which Toby didn't do. She identifies all of them as Allison's friends. Toby scowls at her like 20 times as he leads Lorenzo away. Um, the way that Spencer delights in rebelling against Toby is like very weird and speaks to the very like paternalistic nature of their relationship, I feel. Yeah, uh, the absolute contemptuous, like the filthy contemptuous look that Toby is throwing at her. Uh, your partner should be able to introduce themselves however they want, no approval required. Uh, but if you are a controlling jerk police dude, I would still recommend that when your partner is less than a week out of being kidnapped and kept in an underground prison bunker, you maybe make an effort to stop hating her at the drop of a hat for like and a few more days, perhaps. Right. And, like, maybe introduce her to somebody who could potentially make her feel safe. You know? Like, just a thought. Just an idea. I mean, the only reason he doesn't is because he probably feels like it's somewhat bad manners to introduce your ostensible girlfriend to your secret boyfriend. Yes. Oh, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. He's like, the mistake I made last time was fostering a relationship between Caleb and Spencer, and I'm not <laughs> going to do that again. <laughs> Uh, so after the boys leave, the liars kind of have their talking exposition about how mad Andrew was, how Ace set him up just like he set them up. And now, even though everyone knows what happened, it's still like no one believes them. Now, again, I still feel like I don't understand why this is all black or white. Uh, either Andrew was A or Andrew was a patsy. Um, we're never really going to get more clarification on that, but I do like their realization uh, that everybody knows what happened, but still nobody believes them uh, just out of habit at this point. And I think that that is like, that's very poignant. Like that, yeah. that idea of this being the town liars still have to live in um, is really something uh, they're more cut off than ever. Spencer realizes that this is what dead name wanted in the dollhouse to make them feel like they'd be alone forever isolated uh, Hannah is the first one brave enough to actually bring the subtext to the text and say that A made her play a game with switches, a game about hurting people. Uh, Aria says that she thought she was the only one who had to play. Now, this is interesting, considering we have Hannah and Aria sort of bookending the episode with those looking yeah. in the mirror, like that Aria is, is willing to talk about it as well. Uh, she says that she 
never got shocked. Were any of them ever shocked? Uh, Emily whispers no, and then Hannah concludes that A tricked them. Uh, Spencer realizes the point was for Deadname to make them think they had hurt each other. Uh, A wanted them to know there was a point at which they would do it, any of them or all. I love Aria being like, I thought I was the only one. Like, that is so Aria, indeed. (laughs) It really really is and that like aria like in the midst of like all of this trauma where aria is not getting shocked like there's still a part of aria that's like maybe i'm special (laughs) maybe everyone likes me the best (laughs) i know but it like i really love this moment in my memory of this episode like basically this whole episode was like this scene like i thought it was yeah yes much longer Yes, a lot of them talking, a lot of them processing their trauma. I remember this episode having many more flashbacks in it. Um, and I really, like, it It irks me that so much of this, like, this part of the episode is about the liars kind of atoning to Andrew and, like, being like, oh, Andrew, we're so sorry we screwed up your life when it's like, yeah, the liars have just gone through a very significant trauma. And also, like, Andrew, you were a creep. Like, you were, you know, like, I know, like, you might not have been A, and you should not go down for A's crimes. But, like, the, like, him being like, I wanted to be a hero, like, that is, that is creepy behavior. Him being around all the time and, like, blue snarfing Veronica's phone or whatever, like, that was weird. That was weird that he did that. Um, so Emily returns home to see Sarah sitting in the dark like a weirdo, uh, having cut her hair into a short little bob with the help of Pam. Uh, she asks, Sarah's like, do you like it? What do you think? And Emily doesn't answer her, which I found funny. Emily is like speechless. Like she's just in mute horror of what the rest of 6A holds for this plot line. But also the way they do, like, they end this scene so weird where, like, Sarah Harvey asks that. And then we just, like, freeze on, like, Emily's face (laughs) with Emily not saying anything. Like, Emily has her mouth, like, slightly open in manner of, like, a goldfish or similar. And it's just very, it's very confusing as to why this shot is held so long without Emily speaking <laughs> is it like attraction has she like just like fallen asleep standing up like what is happening here it's really weird and to your point last week about how this would all make more sense if like Sarah was explicitly a queer character who had gotten kicked out like this is a queer haircut that Sarah gets yes. and if this was like Sarah being like you know, finally with your mom, I felt accepted. I felt safe to do like this, you know, express my identity in this way that I've always wanted to like, but it's just sort of, again, it's just sort of a weird, flat, underwritten, underdeveloped moment. Like, and is, is Sarah maybe actually wearing Paige's clothes at this point? Cause she's wearing like a bunch of sharks, (laughs) which I guess could be Emily's or could be Paige's or could be like, some other girl on the swim team that Emily was banging. Who knows? Um, but Sydney, perhaps. Like, yeah, right, right. Where's the beef? Where's the beef, Sarah? <laughs> uh, uh, so, I yeah. long for the days of Sydney and her weird <laughs> deliveries. Oh my God, it's so true. It's so true. Sarah Harvey is so one note. <laughs> 
that even Sydney in all of her glorious irrelevance and, and beefing is like, it would be a, a tremendous improvement. Yes. New York, New York, beef, beef, beef. I'm not, I'm not gay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. So this, this is a very strange scene. Um, I don't know why Emily doesn't say anything. Maybe there's just in the face of Sarah Harvey, what? What can be said? What does one say? Oh, man. Spencer comes home and is immediately accosted by Veronica, uh, who rather than being, like, glad that Spencer is home, uh, chooses to just, like, be aggressively worried because she called Spencer a bunch of times and Spencer did not answer. Uh, Spencer lies, I think, saying that Tobey drove her home in his police car, uh, since we saw Toby and Lorenzo walking into the station while he hated her, and then Spencer hanging out with the rest of the liars. Um, Veronica talks about Andrew being released and tells Spencer that he said some really mean things about the liars tricking him into helping them, and Veronica wants to know if it's true. What an incredibly inappropriate question to be throwing at Spencer at this time. Um, Spencer has a great line where she says it's made up of facts, but that doesn't make it the truth. Then she goes to head upstairs. Veronica calls after her to ask how was school. And then Spencer, I, I love this. This is like really like we talk about how Spencer and Allison's relationship seems to have changed in this episode. And this is actually a significant turning point, I think, for Spencer and her parents here. Spencer mm -hmm. says, don't do that. And Veronica is kind of like, what? And Spencer says, don't try to catch me in a lie. It's humiliating. And Spencer, when she says it's humiliating, she clearly doesn't mean that it's humiliating for her, Spencer. It's humiliating for Veronica to like try to do that. Like, yeah. It's humiliating for Veronica to feel like Spencer is ever going to be telling her the truth or like she's entitled to that in any way. Um, so Veronica changes tack and says, well, you know, if Andrew isn't the one, then whoever did this to you is still out there. Veronica just wants this all to be over. And then Spencer challenges her again, saying she wants it to have never happened, but it did. And none of them are going to be able to forget it. She tearfully says that when she was in the dollhouse, when they were down there, she thought that getting home would be the point when everything would be okay. But here she is, she's back home, and there is just no happy ending in sight. She is going to go upstairs and be on her own tonight. And Veronica just stands there, and she seems really stunned by how out of control, like, the situation is not in her control. Veronica, who, like, was previously very comfortable telling people, like, I don't want to know because I'm telling you this is how it happened, seems to understand that in this moment, her power with Spencer has been broken. Yeah. And maybe even looks a little bit chagrined. Like Spen yeah. Spencer has, has finally kind of put her in her place. I just love that line. You know, it did happen. It happened to me and my friends. And that is not something that gets forgotten ever. Um, I, yeah, I think that like, this is, this is Spencer's version of like looking in the mirror and taking the picture in this episode. Yeah, I think so too. Well, especially because so much of Spencer's story up to this point has been about trying to be like the Hastings that they want her to be like yeah. following all of their rules, spoken and unspoken, written and unwritten, like doing everything the right way to be like the perfect Hastings daughter. 
And I think at this moment, Spencer is really telling them, like, that horse is out of the barn. Like, that ship yeah. has sailed. Like, fuck that. I don't have, I, I, I don't care about it anymore. This is how it is. This is who I am. And we're all just going to have to, like, do our best with what we've got right now. I totally agree. And I also think Spencer mentioning her friends there, like, that's also her saying, because there's often been this thing with the Hastings of, like, Spencer's friends are one thing, but, like, Spencer is different or Spencer needs to be away from them or, you know, wanting some distance there. And I sort of feel like this is Spencer saying, like, they are my family. And, like, that, like, this does not change that. If anything, even though we're, like, not maybe in a good place right now, like, they they will still continue to be my family. And that needs to be acknowledged. And I also love her delivery of, I bet the police loved that story. Like, it's just so bitter and just true to, like, her relationship with the police, including her boyfriend, uh, at this at this time and and forever. Yeah, it, it's something that Veronica always knows exactly what went down at the police station, and like Toby always knows what went down. You know, like her yeah. her family uh, and and her boyfriend are much more similar than it would seem to like her oh. enemies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have this kind of like mini montage here where Hannah is considering various paint samples in her room. Uh, it's a really cool shot because it's like there's all of these paint samples on the wall. There's like her bare wall. There's like a lamp on the floor. And we see in the background that she got her night table back after talking about wanting it back last episode. We go over to Aria in her room. She's taking more pictures. She uh, looks in the mirror and takes a picture of herself taking a picture of herself. Uh, then she kind of turns around and focuses in on the doll that she saw earlier and takes a picture of that, uh, which is really like symbolic and will continue to kind of be like Aria leaning into this, leaning into what she sees as like the darkness or the ugliness and exploring that. It's very Avataria in a way. Um, then we see Allison uh, putting the picture back into the photo album where it fits and then tracing her finger over where another picture is missing. Uh, Jason walks in just then and Allison shows him the picture and it's like, oh gosh, poor Jason. <laughs> like <laughs> you thought you had an imaginary friend and whoops, you had a real sibling. Um, and then we go over to Spencer who is staring out her window and then goes over and takes the contraband pill from Aria. Um, and we see her like laying down in bed and immediately falling asleep after like a car goes by. Um, and the the show kind of treats this almost like a relapse, which I really, really hate. Yeah, that is no good at all. Um, but I'm glad for Spencer. I'm glad that she's going yes. to be able to sleep after all that she has now been through this day. I agree. So then we get to our last scene, which is Kenneth coming home. And uh, it's it's similar to... Uh, when the liars, like when any liar comes downstairs to breakfast and both parents are at the table, you yeah. know that like some shit is going to go down. So like Kenneth comes in and both of the kids are like just kind of standing there and you can tell his beaky little face. He like knows that something is going to happen. So he kind of comes in and Again, I really like Jason in this scene and in this episode. He is standing up while Allie is sitting down. And he 
speaks first. Like he's trying to like kind of draw Kenneth's fire. Like Kenneth hates him anyway. So, you know, no harm, no foul. So he asks, uh, he asks Kenneth about dead name. Um, and Kenneth like does kind of start to go for Jason. How dare you speak to me this way after all you've put our family through on and on. And, uh, but Allie is right there with him, uh, wants to know who the other kid in this photograph is. Uh, Kenneth sits down heavily and we don't get to hear in this moment what he says, but we do hear Allison say what in a shocked tone, uh, as we see a black hoodie watching from outside the window. Um, I really like Jason here. I like that. Whereas in the De Laurentiis family, Jason has always been treated like just sort of a fuck up. Like that mm-hmm. was the default. That was how everyone treated him. And I love how Spencer treating him as a big brother makes him act like a big brother. Like I, I think you consistently see Jason trying to be like the person that Spencer thinks he is. Uh, and I think that you see that here in the way that he's interacting with Allison. I think that's a really great point. I, I, there's a couple of things that I really love in this scene that are, give me sort of echoes of other scenes. Um, I, I love, like you had mentioned in the episode, um, the, the episode where Mona gets put in the hole that she's sort of acting like the sibling who is, uh, you know, courting the the anger from the parent to sort of protect the other sibling. And, you know, that there's definitely echoes of that in what Jason's doing here. I also yes. love Allison cutting in and saying, you know, stop, you're not going to get out of this by picking a fight with Jason, not again, which really reminds me of Arya, um, the scene that we haven't gotten to yet where Arya is like, maybe we should just stop. Like, maybe we just need to stop this cycle in order to like finally move on. Uh, and Allison is like, maybe like, like, stop picking this fight. Like, we're going to have an actual conversation about this. Um, also, like, I know that it's, of course, framed with the mystery music and ooh, so scary. A is watching them. But when you think about this as like Charlotte watching her family, finding out about her, it is so tragic. It is so, so tragic that she is on the outside of this family looking in. Of course, probably this is supposed to be Sarah Harvey because we can't have, have these things. <laughs> but I just believe that this is Charlotte. Yeah, I I agree. I also choose to believe that this is Charlotte. Uh, And I just like, I love the way that Allison and Jason are aligning here. You know that Allison has spent a good chunk of her youth letting her parents go after Jason and, and playing off of that and using it to her advantage. So the way that she is like coming up here and she's actually kind of like acknowledging like, you're not going to get out of this by picking a fight with Jason. So like while Jason is standing there, she's acknowledging this is something that our dad did and it's always been shitty and he's not going to be able to do it this time, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really good moment. I like this idea of Allison and Jason kind of as a united front in a way. Um, And it's interesting how this episode, it's like we're dipping our toe back into the idea of an A-tag. You know, we don't have a full-on A-tag, but we have this moment of A peering in at them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that is the end of the episode. That is the end of Songs of Experience. Um, Yeah. What, what What are your takeaways? Because we both said that this was not maybe quite the episode that we remembered it being. No, it really wasn't. Um, 
I feel more sympathy for Sarah Harvey than I expected to. And I'm sure I'll be yeah. more annoyed with her as the season goes on. But in this episode, I I felt worse for her than I expected to. I wasn't as annoyed. Uh, and I, I do still think that, like, the liar's journey through their trauma is interesting. Um, and I, I guess it must be, like, I guess it must just be, like, played out throughout this half season that we get more flashbacks and we find out more about what actually happened in the dollhouse. But I agree. I thought there was more of it in this episode. I was also realizing, like, I think some of what I was remembering was like um, Heather Hogan's recaps of this time where she like she delved into all of the like complexities of that. And I think I remembered some of that actually playing out on the actual show, which is kind of kind of funny and sad. Um, Could yeah. very well be. Yeah. And then next week is um, Don't Look Now. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really totally remember what happens there. Oh, man, this is like the era. This is just the era when like everybody is running around and like it's sort of like an are you my mother only it's like, are you are you my dead name? Like it exactly. I, I, I kind of remember that like a ton of that episode because we don't see like we don't see the conversation. We don't know what kind of said here. And so like I feel like in the next episode we get a bunch of Allie talking about what Kenneth said, but it's in flashbacks. And so like the only reason that they did that was just so that there could always be like the question of like, is Allie telling us the truth? Is Allie lying? Is uh, is Allie's dad lying? Which De Laurentiis is not telling the truth this week? Um, so that's what that's what I remember from Don't Look Now. Right. Does 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 I just feel like the rest of this half season is like, does this person look enough like a De Laurentiis oh. to be secret De Laurentiis? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do we have any more to say about songs of experience? No, I, I do think that it's a very strong two-parter. I do think that songs of innocence and strong, songs of experience are um, a, a pretty powerful opener to season six. I agree. I agree. And there's sort of a needed um, a needed breath in a way after the intensity of the dollhouse episodes, even though they're still they're not exactly easy episodes. They're 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 kind of they're light on mystery in a way that I think we need. Yes. Yes. I would definitely agree with that. Well, next week we will be back with Don't Look Now. If you have thoughts on Songs of Experience, uh, if you have thoughts on whether or not Jason is actually Kendall Roy, um, please (laughs) send us an email at everybodyapodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our Instagram at everybodyapodcast. You can also send in a rating and review on iTunes. We uh, We would appreciate it. Um, yeah, and also it's like it's we're November first when we're recording this, uh, and I feel like Halloween is sort of PLL season. So like, happy belated Halloween to everybody. Um, I sincerely hope that nobody jumped out of the you know pretend coffin of the girl <laughs> that you were secretly in love with. <laughs> right, right. I hope you were not on a ghost train. Uh, but if you were, I hope your date was dressed like Barbarella. <laughs> Or Marlena Dietrich. (laughs) Right, right. Take your pick. Yes. All right. Until next time. Take care.